America is not over. America needs more Superman and bringing nuance back to life. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show where you come for the accent. And I apologize last week. Someone messaged me after last week's show and go, Where's the French accent? No show for like two months and then no Frenchy French accent. <laughs> there you go. It's out of the way because today's going to be a serious show again. And you stay for the principles and you stay for the love of America. And uh, wherever else you stay, it's I'll, I'll take it. Whatever you can give. Today's show is going to be a bit interesting. And it's going to be a bit of a fly by the, the seat of my pants show for me. Um, because how I prep for this show is Monday morning, I start prepping, I go through all the the news and I kind of go, Oh, I want to talk about that. And Oh, I could talk about this and you know, different things. And by Thursday night, Friday morning, when I go to record, there's a load of things I have on my desk and I go, I have a load of things to talk about and let's join them all together and plan the show this week. We did all that. And this morning I woke up and kind of go, don't want to talk about any of that. I need to talk to you about something else. Because I need to talk to you about what's going on, not on the left, but on the right. I need to talk to you about what I'm seeing on social media. And quite honestly, what I'm seeing from the media on the right. And it's pissing me off. And I'll tell you why it's annoying me so much. Because it's annoying me because of what it is, the impact it is having on each and every one of you. But also, I've been down this road before on a personal level. And I'm going to talk to you about that. So what's annoying me so much This narrative, this narrative from my colleagues on the right, from many people talking heads on social media, going, America's over. Or, you know, this is really bad times for America, that it's it's pretty much, you know, we're screwed. And it's like, oh my God, it's over, it's done, we can't survive this. It's, it's oh my God, Joe Biden is president, look at who you elected in Georgia. It's It's just all catastrophe. It's all coming apart at the seams. You see all these people now talking about, you know, differences of opinion and civil wars and we're just there, basically. It's annoying me because it's not, while it may be based in facts, America is not over. Listen to me when I say this. America is not over. And I'm not going to just say, hey, trust me on that and say, hey, well, John said, the Irish guy said America's not over, so America's is not over, Right? Now, I'm going to prove to you America is not over. You see, what you're seeing right now is the impact and the end result of people redefining what America actually is. You see all this ignorance, and yes, it is ignorance, by my colleagues on the right, by my colleagues on the left, by people who are talking heads on social media, who don't understand what it is to be an American, who don't understand what America is at its core. 
I don't know whether it's some of it's ignorance and some of it is just totally an agenda-driven basis by my friends on the left who want to push you more towards Europe, who want to push you more to be, hey, you should be like everyone else. Because what is America? America is a country, yes, no doubt. And it may be America, the country is over. Maybe America, the political system in D.C. is over. You know, I don't know. I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not. This is not the John the Psychic show where we tune into a crystal blow. Kind of go, is America over? Ooh, yes. Or maybe I should, maybe, you know what, maybe I should just be like everyone else and get a Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball, is America over? Ask again later. Because that's actually the, probably the truthful answer. America is not over. America is an idea. America is a set of principles. America is this idea that you were born free. That you were born with certain inalienable rights. We may disagree on what those rights are, but the fundamental principle is that you were born with them. And that you have a fundamental principle and a God-given right to pursue your happiness. That does not change when a certain election happens. That doesn't change whether Donald Trump is president, whether Joe Biden is president, or whether, I don't know, fill in the blank is president in 2024. It never changed. By the way, I'll start naming some good presidents as well. It didn't change when George Washington was president, when Abraham Lincoln was president, when Calvin Coolidge was president. That fundamental system of America, the idea, has never changed. Now, how do you destroy an idea? How does an idea die? It's not like we can kind of go, oh, there's an idea, let's let's get that bow and arrow, bang, that idea's dead. Or we can get our, you know, our assault rifle 15 and go, bum, 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 bum. That idea is dead. It doesn't work that way. You can't kill an idea by having someone elected. You can't kill an idea by having Joe Biden or ever who you want as president. And by the way, the left's actions prove this to be true. How do you kill an idea? You can only kill an idea when you get in here and when you get in your heart. Sorry for the people not watching on YouTube. I pointed to the brain. That is where an idea lives. It lives in your mind, it lives in your heart, and it lives in your soul. The only way you destroy an idea, the only way you can ever say an idea is dead, is when the last person, even if there is only one, says, you know what, I can't win. Or, you know what, I'm just going to assimilate like everyone else and just become another mindless numb. Just going to join that line, the conga line of, well, this is the way everyone else thinks. Or when everyone starts saying it's over and everyone starts believing it. That is how you kill an idea. That is how you kill and destroy an idea. By making people believe it is not true. By making people believe that, you know what? Maybe America didn't exist the way John talks about. And you have all these hack jobs with the 1619 Project. And we're going to talk about that later on in another show. But we need to start redefining American history and start fighting these people who want to tell you it never actually existed. It did. It did. And it inspired millions around the world. And it inspired millions and countless generations of Americans. And it can again. But you must believe. You see, the bottom line, what you need to decide over the next day, week, month, year, ever how long it takes you on an individual basis, is what do you want to be defined by? 
Do you want to go down this continuous road that you've been going down for a very long time under the leadership of both Republicans and Democrats, where you're defined by politics? You see, that's what every other nation is defined by. Who's the queen? Who's in government? Do we like them or do we hate them? Are they a friend or a foe? I don't see America that way. I have loved America. I think the first time I fell in love with America, maybe, I think it was her, George Sr. was president. I've been under Clinton. I've been under George Bush Jr. I've been under Obama. I've been under Trump. And I'll be under Biden. And I, you can guarantee you this. I don't care who is the president in 2024, 28, 32, 40. If I'm alive, I will love your country because of your idea and God willing, because of your people. Never in spite Never because of, oh, well, I'm really happy that that's this person is president. I'm not defined by that. Are you? You see, America loves to talk about being a Christian nation, especially my friends on the right. And it's true. There's large sentiments. If you, if you read the Declaration of Independence, you read the Constitution. There's a lot of biblical principles in there. But what we need to start understanding is actually what's in the Bible. We need to start looking at ourselves and kind of go, what's our role? What's our responsibility? What's our duty? What's our calling? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? What's our job? Now, you can fill in the blank because, you know, certain religions will have different answers. You know, a Mormon might come up to a different answer to a Catholic on that. It'll have similar principles, but it might be slightly different. And their answers might be totally different to what a Baptist might say. But whatever your mission in life, whatever your calling is in life to a higher power, what I would ask you is, is there a clause in there? Is there like, my mission is fill in the blank, asterisks. And that asterisk changes whether it's a good president or a bad president, whether it's a good pre Congress or a bad Congress. You see, for me, how I act doesn't change. I don't care who's in politics. And I say this even from an Irish point of view. I despise Irish politicians. I despise them with my very being. I've been in the Irish Parliament. It is a cesspool. And I don't care whether it's left or right or top or bottom. It is disgusting. It's kind of like how I felt when I was in D.C. You kind of want to go, you walk in there and then you walk out and your initial reaction is, I need to take a shower because, whoo, and it's going to be a long shower because it takes a lot to wipe that mank off you. But also, what you need to understand is the core belief in Christianity and in America. It's the individual versus the collective. You see, what you're starting to see right now, and it's been happening for a very long time on both sides, is people want you to think like a collective. People want you to think, oh, well, you have this certain belief. Or they have a certain belief. Let's define them by that. You see, every other country has that type of belief. In Ireland, you have that. Oh, you're a Fianna Fowler. You, oh, you think a certain way. Oh, you're a Fianna Gaeli. You have that certain thing. Oh, you're a Shinner. You're one of those. Fill in the blank. It's the same in England. Oh, you're Labour. You're, you think this way. And it's all about groupthink. America is the only country that ever spoke about the individual. It put the individual prime, front, and center. You see, the thing about America, that the great thing about America and the idea is it doesn't take a lot to change it. 3%. Oh, my God, I made the white power signal. Oh, my God, they're going to, oh, my God, cancel culture is going to come after me. 3%. Remember that in America? 
That's what changed American history. But it's always the smallest amount of people who make the biggest impact. You can change it. Individually, you can change your future. You can change your mindset. America is not done if you don't believe it's not done. But if you believe it's done, if you're like, oh, America's over, just give up. Guess what's going to happen? America is over. Because you won't have lost the battle in politics. You lost the battle here. You'll have lost the battle in your heart and your soul. But this is why it annoys me. And it's not annoyance more so. It's more frustration. Because I don't think you understand the path you're going to walk down. I don't think that you understand the path you're about to walk down and how bad it is. And not only how bad this path is, but how dangerous this path is. Because when you start walking down this path of fear, of giving up, of depression, it's very, very hard to walk it back. And also logic and reason won't make you walk it back. This is why I feel so frustrated with what I see right now. If you're a long-term listener, you know some of the battles I've had. You know I've battled depression, and I do on a daily basis. You know I've battled suicidal thoughts in the past. When you get down to this path, and it, it'll be a different point for everyone that's on it. But when you hit reach a path where you're like, everything's over. Everything's done. Everything's dark. The world is caving in on top of you. It takes a lot to get up. You start walking down this path. And if you start believing all the fear and the panic porn that you're seeing right now. And you start having no hope. And you start believing everything is over. You're walking down a path where eventually for you it will be over. Because it is so hard to get out of. It is so hard to break those chains. Trust me, I know this. I never say on any issue, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. And just take my word for it. But on this, I beg you, trust me, you do not like the path you're going on. You're getting to a point where it's really hard to turn back from in your individual psyches. Because it's a really dark place where you think you can't change anything. Because the great thing about life is, no matter how bad things are, no matter how much you're beaten up, this too shall pass. You have that inner belief. You know, we've all dealt with different kicks. We've all de dealt with different blows. You don't need to talk to me about blows. You know, and to some people, and some people even close to me, I've wasted my whole adult life chasing a dream of becoming American. And this is seven year 17 of trying to get there. And in truth, I'm not any way closer to getting there than I was 17 years ago. So you don't need to talk to me about pain and frustration. I get it. But the thing about it, when you have all those pains and setbacks and frustrations is, there's always that glimmer of hope, even if it's only the smallest glimmer, that maybe, just maybe, tomorrow will be better. That maybe, just maybe, something, I don't know what it is in your life, that maybe just, if this just clicks for you, that all of a sudden maybe tomorrow's better and you start getting and progressing towards that dream, that reality. That you start climbing out of this rut that you're in. But you always have that glimmer of hope. But what you're seeing right now, and I would ask you, don't just take my word for it. Look around at what you're seeing on social media. Look around at what you're seeing by the people, the talking heads on the right. 
Is there any glimmer of hope in what they're saying? Now, there are some people, I'm not just casting, I don't listen to everyone. But you will see some hope. But the people you are listening to, are they giving you hope? And I don't mean false hope. Oh, everything's going to be fine, don't worry. You know, the Titanic's hit the iceberg, but we're all going to live. I don't mean that hope. I mean hope based in reality. Hope based around what you can do to change the world. Hope that says, you know what? This We're about to enter a period which is going to be really hard. It's going to be really tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But we can survive this. In fact, not only can we survive this, we can come out better for this. We can survive this experience and get better. And what I would say to you is, just on a political note, because everyone wants to talk about politics. If you're someone who believes and loves Donald Trump, you're the very person who should say this message the most. Why, 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 why would I say that, John? I'm a Donald Trump supporter. I love Donald Trump. He got screwed out of the election. You're telling me that I should be the one giving hope to America right now? Yes, you're the very person who should be. Because if you're a typical Donald Trump supporter, chances are you do not like Barack Obama's eight years. Remember all the people on the right who said, oh, Barack Obama, we're never going to survive the fundamental transformation of America. We're never, ever going to survive that. Somehow you did, though, right? It's amazing. And if you're a Donald Trump supporter, not only did you survive the eight years of fundamental transformation, but it gave you Donald Trump. You have, you can survive this four years. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very painful. But guess what? Maybe, just maybe, it gives you someone in 2024 that you really like, that you really love. And that maybe, just maybe, then things start turning around. But even that narrative... I think is fundamentally flawed. Because what you need to understand is where does hope come from? Where does this idea come from? Is it ingrained in just one person? Does one person in the White House or, or a certain person been speaker or majority leader in the Senate? Does that all of a sudden give you hope? If that gives you hope, I would ask you just to look at your life and kind of go, is my hope superficial? Or should I start looking for a more deeper, more meaningful hope? Because my hope comes from him my hope comes from each and every one of you my hope comes from in the belief in a set of principles and fighting for them and standing for them because it is bigger than one man one woman or one country we're about to enter deep troubling times around the world Amer the world and america needs more than ever to remember you're an idea and to start promoting that idea life is not going to be sweet i'm not going to sugarcoat it but America is not dead. crystal clear about what I just said I'm not here to sugarcoat you and tell you everything is going to be awesome but we are going to face a major lot of obstacles whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's the left whether it's the squad whether it's Europe, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's some unknown thing that we don't know about yet, whether it's Iran or North Korea, we have major obstacles, but what's absolutely critical is that we face them in the right mindset you see, one of the great things I love about America, I spoke about it briefly just there, was it's the individual versus the collective. It's the individual. 
It's all about the individual. If you read the Declaration of Independence, it's all about the individual and their rights. Where I come from, it's not really about the individual, it's about the collective. And when we look about doing good and we see problems around the world, you know, the automatic response is, well, there's this problem, how do we solve it? The way I look at things, the way Christians should look at things, if you read your Bible, is it's up to us to fix it. Even issues I don't agree with. You should look at them and I kind of, let me give you an example, climate change. Let's say you actually believe in everything the climate changes, people say, and oh my God, the world is going to end and climate catastrophe and climate chaos and 500 days and all these type of things they come out with that are marketing to get you go, oh my God, our world is going to end. Let's say you believe all that. How do you solve it? Well, I personally believe, and you don't give government grants, you don't give government subsidies. What you do is you're like Elon Musk. You make an electric car if you think that's the solution. But you don't just make an electric car that kind of goes, hey, you should drive my car. Why should I drive your car? Well, it's an electric and you'll save the planet. That's not what Elon Musk does. Elon Musk, I don't know what his you know, philosophical view on climate change is or, or electric cars, but his idea, his mentality was, you know what? I'm going to give you an electric car. I'm not going to sell you about the perks to the environment. I'm going to make it the coolest car where it's so cool it's so awesome it looks beautiful it's so high spec that even people who don't believe in climate change who don't per se you know believe in electric cars that would traditionally drive a gas consumption car would want a tesla or it would at least kind of go damn that's a cool looking car have you ever seen a tesla i'm not looking at tesla kind of go oh this car would be so cool if it was just driven by gas it's i've never driven one but i've seen them they're beautiful that's how you change the world. That's how you do. You understand. You kind of go, hey, we're going to change the world. We're going to shape the world to my view, but we're going to do it in a certain way that appeals to everyone, that you do business with people that you want to do business with. That's about the individual. It's not like, well, we need government to get involved and we need to be taxed you. We need to tax you. We need to shut you down. We need to give you subsidies. Remember Slyndra? Oh, this is a blast from the past. If you're following politics only a couple of years, you haven't got a clue what Slyndra is. But if you're a long-term person, you will. That's not how you solve things. Government grants and government subsidies and just throwing money at problems doesn't solve it. Individuals do. And why is that? You see, the thing about America is the idea of pursuing your God-given right of happiness. It's so powerful. Why is it so powerful? Because there are so many things wrapped up in that message. It's the saying of, you have one life. I don't know how long you'll live. Some of you may live 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Some of you may live 100 years. But you have one chance. And that you should be given every opportunity to follow your happiness. If you want to go be a doctor and, you know, come up with a, you know, a cure for the, the vaccine for coronavirus, cool. You want to be a car maker like Elon Musk and you want to go to space, cool. You want to be a stay-at-home mom, cool. You want to be a businessman who, I don't know, gets involved in stocks and shares or creates Bitcoin, great. You have a God-given right to follow your happiness. But we also understand when you believe in the individual that in those principles that we all benefit. Why? Because when you have an individual and a selection of individuals and hopefully a large chunk of individuals pursuing their happiness who actually have the inner belief to pursue them, whether innovating, whether creating, that they will invent products, they will invent services, they will invent solutions to all our world's problems. And then we all benefit because, hey, there's this great creation. You know, just take it something that most people have in their pocket, an iPhone. 
That wasn't some government grant or subsidy that said, hey, you know what we really need? We just have a phone, uh, you know, in the, in the landline at home where, you know, you have one phone in the house and it's in one room and you can't move it. Do you know what we need? We need a cell phone. But we don't just need a cell phone that we can carry around everywhere. We need a cell phone that we can read the internet, where we can tweet, where we can Facebook, where we can go on TikTok, where we can, you know, download different games, where we can listen to music, where we can send email, where we can send text messages. That didn't come from a government subsidy going, you know what, you know what the world would really benefit from? No, it came from people innovating, where it started with the cell phone, where it started with adding stuff, where it started with an iPod, where it started with merging the both of them together. Where it started adding different things. And then people went, yeah, that's really cool. I want that. I want that. I want that. Here's my money. Literally, here's money. Take it. I want that product. That's how you innovate. That's how you change the world. You see, we all have different gifts, skills, and talents in this world. We all have different, you know, abilities. We all have to embrace them and start pursuing our happiness, but also doing it in a way that we're doing and adding to the world. We're making the world a better place. But wrapped up in that message of founding, and wrapped up in the message of of, uh, Christianity, is it's easy to change the world. You see, you may have gifts and talents and skills. You can change the world that way. But let's say you're... One is I can speak about your history, about your principles, and I can do a show, and I can give a really good speech. Second one... I can do a really good French accent. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm the Frenchman. I love, I, I love life. It's, it's, it's awesome. So I have two talents. I don't have many others, but I have those. You can change the world by that way. But let's say, let's say for argument's sake, it's true. Oh, I have no talents and skills and there's nothing unique about me whatsoever. Again, that's a lie. Don't believe it. But let's say it's true. The great thing about our world, about changing the world, about making the world a better place is everyone can serve you don't need a talent to serve people to help people and by the way when i say serve people and make the world a better place scientifically this is easy to do let me give you some studies that i've you know i've seen over the years you your impact that you you have such an impact in this world you don't even recognize it if you could actually see the impact you have in this world it would actually scare the ever-loving crap out of you because what you do to people who you don't know, who you have never seen before, who you will never see again likely, is huge. Let me give you a scientific study. I think this was done out in a university in Berkeley. They did this survey where they literally stopped people in the streets. And they basically said, hey, you know what, we're going to give you 20 books, but it's very simple. Here's what you have to do. is You have to read this paragraph. It's a little story about an individual. And then what I want you to do is I want you to read it, take your time, if it takes you six seconds or two minutes, ever how long it takes you, I just want you to give me your feelings of your emotions, of what you felt from reading this story. And they did this, and they read the story, and they listed all their emotions. As you can imagine, you know, different people, if you've ever watched any of these videos on the streets, of man on the streets, the answers were very, very different. Why were they very different? Because they were part of a bigger survey that they didn't know. You see, what they did was prior to the meeting the individual in the street where he went, Hi, how are you? I'm John. Could you just, if I give you 20 bucks, can you just read this story? They had an interaction that they didn't know about. And what they were asked to do was, they were there was a different setup every time. But what they'd say is this, could you just hold my coffee for a second? I just need to bend down and pick up my shoe or just need to, just need to do something. And the people who did then took part in the survey. And what they found is the person who was handed a hot cup of coffee would then go and read the story, get their 20 bucks, but would have warm feelings 
they would express warm things. The guy was loving, the guy was caring, the guy was, you know, was a really nice guy. And the person who was given the cold cup of coffee read was read the story and then would go, guy was cold, the guy was heartless, the guy was whatever. I don't know the individual story that they read. But the scientific data is there. There's also been scientific studies where they study people and they study people walking in the street. And what they will do is they will have this situation. It's totally staged, but the people who are around us that are just walking in average streets, they're not part of it. But what they'll have is they'll have two people walk. I remember reading this survey. They did actually in New York. They had two people walk and they hit into each other. And what happens is it's all totally staged. It's no one's hurt. But basically they walk into each other and all of a sudden this guy's, one of the guy's briefcases goes, opens up and loads of papers fall out all over the place. And what they have is they have another stage actor. Obviously, the two people say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you okay? And then they'll have someone else walk in and kind of go, gee, are you guys okay? And they start picking up the papers. What happens with that? That little action. You're, you're walking down the street. You see two people hit each other. Hit, each, hit off each other. I can't speak English at times. See, I'm, I'm not a talented person. They hit off each other. And then one person jumps in. What do you think everyone else did? You had nothing to do with it. You didn't know these people from Adam. You didn't know their voting record. You didn't know whether they're good people or bad people. They got involved and helped. But also the people that didn't, who just saw it from a distance, tended to smile a lot more. Why? Because in their in- internal dialogue, they saw, that was a really cool thing. That was really, do you know, that was really nice. That person who had nothing to do with those other people just bent down, stopped out their busy life in New York. Manhattan, where it's like, oh my god, I get to get to the next block, I gotta get to the next meeting, gotta get, gotta, 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 gotta. But they just stopped out of their life and helped a random stranger. They've done scientific studies on this. It works. But also, let me give you an example for you to think about. Just think of your own mood. Imagine you walking into, I don't know, take, think of a place you frequent an awful lot, like Walmart or Target, right? And I want you to imagine you walk into Target. Or let's actually use Walmart, because Walmart usually have greeters. You know, you walk into Walmart, you get your trolley, get your cart, and you walk in. And the greeter's like, how are you? You all right? What do you want? Yeah, it's there. And you walk down the aisle, and every customer you, you see is pissed off, is angry, is, oh my God, I just hate this world. Oh my God, I just, oh, just don't want to be around it. Oh, look at you, you slob. Oh, you're this, and oh, you're probably one of those Democrats. And everyone's walking around like this and just angry and upset. Or other people are might be, oh, just, I hate life. And, uh. How are you going to feel in that shop? You imagine you walking around doing your grocery shopping and, and that's all you see. You see all these people who are just, oh, I just want to, I just want to kill you. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. you. I just, just, I just don't like you. Or now imagine that same experience. Imagine that same experience where you get your chart cart and you walk in. And the greeter's like, good morning, how are you today? You know, and some of these greeters I've been in Walmart, you know, some of these greeters are over the top, you know, who really love their job. They're like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, I just want to go get groceries, you know, like, especially early in the morning, you know, where you're like nine o'clock in the morning where, you know, you got your sleepy head on and your hair's all messed. If you had hair, that'd be wonderful. And, and you just walk in and you're like, and you're like, hey, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh my God, just leave me alone. I, I can't put two words together right now. But imagine you walking around that store. You're walking around that store with your cart and everyone's smiling and everyone's like, isn't this a really cool day? You know, my life may suck, but just everything is awesome. Now imagine how you'd react to those two situations. Think about how you'd feel. 
the chances are if you're a relatively normal human being, there's always going to be one person who's going to go, John, I wouldn't be like that at all. If you walk in and everyone's angry or upset or pissed off, you're going to walk in in that store, and by the chances are, within a couple of minutes of you been there, you're going to add to it. You're going to be angry, annoyed, and you're going to be just one. I, I don't know. I, I may, I'm, I'm never a violent person. I'm a libertarian. I believe in peace at all means. But today, walking into this store, I just want to kill everyone. But if everyone's happy, if everyone's good morning, how are you? You're going to start saying good morning. That is how simple our world is to change. It's really easy. It's not. It's Sometimes it's not. Trust me. You're talking to an introvert who's like, I just don't want to talk to people most of the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, how hey, how you doing? But it's that's how simple it is to change the world. But what we have right now is we live in a culture where we all seem to want to change the world, but we all want to do it in a very comfortable way. Or if we don't do it in a comfortable way, we want the gratitude that goes with it. We want the plaudits. We want the, hey, you're great. Aren't you awesome? See, what we need to understand is that service is not about telling people what you're doing. Again, this is actually a scriptural principle. Do you go and do some good and you get your earthly reward? There is no reward in heaven. If you do something good and you don't get paid for it on earth, you'll get paid, you know, a hundredfold in heaven. How many people today actually think the only way you can change the world is in the public eye? Or how many people, actually even worse, think that the only people who can change the world are the politicians, or those in power, or those who have a show, or those who, who write for a living, or those who are in the, you know, in the media? How many people actually believe they're the only ones who can change your culture? And that I'm just one person with 10 friends on Facebook, you know, and maybe 20 followers on Twitter. I can't change the world. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You see, the thing, great thing about changing the world, and this works in negative ways as well, by the way. You know, the, the whole angry scenario we just spoke about in, in Walmart. It also it works in the opposite effect. But the thing is, you can actually touch. If you're someone who has 10 friends on social media, let's say you, and let's just use 10 friends. Everyone has 10 friends. You have 10 friends on social media. I can't change the world. I can't reach anyone. Yes, you can. You can reach those 10 people. And let's say you just give them one bit of hope. That today's going to be a good day. That, you know, I know you're hurt right now because of the election, but this too shall pass. America has overcome a lot worse. And you get that message to those 10 people, if you get to survive the algorithm, that is. But you reach those 10 people, and they actually listen to your message. And let's say two of them, or five of them, actually, you know what? I feel a bit more confident. I know America has got problems, but you know what? We've survived worse. We'll come back again, and we'll come back better. And those five people then maybe have 50 friends or 100 friends, and then they start reaching out. The multiplication in impact of changing the world is big. But I want to share a couple of stories with you just to prove my point. You see, not everything has to be big, spectacular, grandiose of, oh, that was a really nice gesture. I want to talk to you about your Revolutionary War, but what happened beforehand. And I want to share a story about John Adams and George Washington. If you know your history of what happened to the lead-up to the Revolutionary War before signing the Declaration of Independence, Boston and Massachusetts had major problems. They were facing major, major obstacles. There was major assaults by the English on them. And John Adams would see some of these assaults or hear about some of these assaults and would get into the, you know, the Congress and go, Hey, look, you know, these English people are, you know, they're not really good. We've been under attack. Please help us. You know, because all the other, there was, you know, all the other colonies were meeting. And all there was a lot of politics. It was kind of since somewhat, I'm not going to disrespect the founders by saying that was kind of like D.C. today. But there was a lot of talking. 
there's a lot of people saying, well, listen, just the way it is. And, you know, it's kind of like, that's your problem, Massachusetts. You, you know, the delegates from Massachusetts, I'm sorry for you. I may feel, feel for you, but, you know, I'm not going to do anything about it. And John Adams was, like, making the case, but, you know, this is not right. We're all been attacked. And if you think that English Englishmen are going to attack us and just maybe do worse to us and that they're going to stop at our borders and they're not going to attack Virginia, they're not going to attack New York, they're not going to attack Rhode Island, you are kidding yourself. It's coming. And there were certain really bad attacks. And there was one in particular attack where a lot of Bostonians and Massachusetts people lost their lives. And John Adams goes crazy. He's like, oh my God, what has to happen for you to help us? And one of the solutions I always put forward was, okay, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, you know, look, we're sorry you went through this, but what we're going to do is we're going to write a letter to the king. And back then it wasn't like, hey, I'll send you an email and the king reads it like a couple of minutes later and then the king replies, get a life, no. It was like, we'll write a letter and we all have to agree on how the letter's written and then it goes on a boat and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, the king gets the letter and, you know, because it's got to go on a boat and then it's got to go on a horse to get to the king and then the king has to go through the political process of, it's not like the king is sitting outside going, hey, oh, there's a letter, there's the there's the postman, hey, how you doing? Oh, my friends in America have written to me. No, it kind of goes through the political process of eventually getting to the king and then the king will... We're probably ranting, raving, going to go, yeah, those Americans, pesky Americans, those pesky Englishmen over in England, in America, leave them alone. No, I don't care what their problems are. And then they would write a letter and it would get back and has to go on the horse and on the boat and then back over. There was a lot of back and forth about this. George Washington had one thing. George Washington, if you read about his career, that leadership that he had, he didn't exactly talk a lot. But what did he do? I want you to imagine yourself as John Adams, where you're seeing your fellow Massachusetts men die. Where you're seeing a lot of, you know, bad things from the English. And you're making the case and they're just not listening. You get frustrated, right? What did George Washington do? He could have got up and gave a fiery speech. He could have got up, oh my God, this is really bad. He didn't. He just simply wore a black armband. And when he was asked about this, George Washington, you know, George, what's what's with the, the black band? It's for sympathy for my Massachusetts brothers and sisters who are in a constant attack on the English. An attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. How poignant is that story right now? Do you think that how do you think John Adams felt when he saw that? But also, how do you think do you think anyone in that con- Congress didn't see what George Washington did? Do you think anyone knew why he did it? Or do you think everyone knew? You see, it doesn't have to be these big grandiose things that changed the world. That inspired John Adams to go in and make the case yet again. And eventually, sadly, it was, you know, you could argue it was too late or too long, or, you know, you can fill in your own opinion of the history of America. But eventually, those actions led to getting the Declaration of Independence signed. Getting the Declaration of Independence written to get into you to war against the English. Those little things got you there. But also I want to share just one last story with you about how you changed the world. And it's a story that's is really, it's a documentary. It's a great movie. It's a documentary. And I'm sure everyone at the sound of my voice has watched this amazing documentary. It's about a reporter. Actually it's not. that She's only one of the characters in it. But she, she works for the media. She works for a company called the Daily News. Or the Daily Planet, sorry. And you see, this person, Lois Lane, 
she's a very key part in this documentary. You probably have heard of her. But she'd go out and do all these stories. And she had a, a photographer. And she had a person called Clark Kent who used to help her. And you see, Clark was just a good old-fashioned boy from America. You know, from the you know from the middle, the heartlands. You know, the part of the world, you know, part of the country that no politician ever really visits. You know, the heartland, farmlands. You know, those places that we either fly right over or we just go, we bounce, we'll, we, we land there for two hours, give a little speech and then bounce over to the West Coast or back to the East Coast. This guy called Clark Kent, you know. You look at him, the way he's portrayed in the documentary, you just look at him kind of go, he's just an average Joe. He's just, he's just like me. And you see, he wears glasses. And he's totally innocuous. I wear glasses when I read. You see, this is one way to look at me. And no one ever notices me. And no one ever really pays much attention to this guy, Clark Kent. And the only difference Clark ever does is he takes his glasses off. He also happens to have a bit of magic, by the way. He gets into a phone boot and does this little circle thing around. And then he comes out in these spandex tights and blue and with a big S on his chest. But he becomes Superman. And no one ever notices the difference. The only difference is a set of glasses. Why am I sharing that story with you today? Sharing that story with you today, that amazing documentary, because that's what we need right now. America and the world needs more supermen who actually are just so innocuous that if you if you did and do so many good deeds and change the world in such a positive way, that literally, if you were told how they changed the world, your reaction would be, like in that documentary, if we all went back in time and told Lois Lane and all the other people that Clark Kent was Superman, everyone would be like, R- him? He's Superman? The guy with glasses is Superman? Yes. Our world needs to be more like Superman. We need to start doing good things, but not looking for reward, not looking for pats on the back, but doing what your founders did at your founding. Doing it because it was the right thing to do. share the, the last thing I want to talk to you about today just to show you how you can change the world I ought to give you a big shout out and a big thank you to everyone the reaction to last week's show was amazing I got so many private messages going it's your best show ever okay the bar is so high there so you know that's that could be taken as a compliment or an insult depending on the person giving it but you know there's lots of feedback and you sh- shared it and people saying you know I'm one of your favorite political commentators those things change the world those that actually change my life because being who I am and my mental issues and stuff, there's many times I kind of go, am I speaking to myself? Am I, I'm doing this podcast and do I touch anyone? Do I, do, am I making a difference? Or, you know, maybe I should just give up because no one really noticed when I'm gone. When I get that feedback, it makes me think, actually, you know what? No, you, you, I don't know what change you're going to make in the world, but you need to keep going. You change that. That was a little impact that you think, oh, John, great show. Thanks so much for it. Welcome back. Just a little simple message like that that I got countless of. That simple, that short, that sweet changed me. It gave me enthusiasm to go, okay, maybe, you know what, I do have a role. That's how you change the world. I hope you change it in a much better way than keeping me talking. But that just shows you how simple it is. Kindness is, is a really simple thing. But one of the things we need to do and to understand, and one of the things I have planned for the next few weeks, I have a lot of things I want to talk to you about, is I want to start giving you things that we can do, action steps to make the world a better place. And one of the things that is so badly missing right now, 
on social media, but it's been driven by my friends on the left and the right in the media, is nuance. What you have, whether it's by ignorance or whether it's an agenda-driven, and I think it is for my friends on the left, it is definitely agenda-driven, where what you want to do is you want to take one of your actions in life and just kind of go, well, you acted this way, you're all like this. It's guilt by association. You see, that's what you have when you have a collective mindset. Oh, you do this, you're automatically bad. You do this, and you're automatically good. You're starting to see this go into hyperbolic fever with my friends on the left. And the prime example of this was Don Lemon and the Cuomo guy. What's the, not the governor, the the host. I always get those two mixed up. They're, they're both hacks anyway. They're both idiots. But the, the Cuomo guy and CNN and Don Lemon. And basically they're talking about the election and they're talking about Donald Trump supporters. And, and let's be honest, who doesn't like, like who isn't tuning in to, to Don Lemon and the Cuomo guy, whichever one it is, because he clearly successful and I know his first name, that, you know, talking about Donald Trump supporters. Because I don't know about you, you know, we're all different. We all walk different ways of life. But that's where I go for my analysis of Donald Trump supporters. Not the fact that I know lots and lots and thousands of you, and many of you who love him from the start, who love them, you know, now, who love them in the middle, who all had skeptics of him, who are like you voted for him even though you didn't like him. I know who you are. I know, I, there, I, there are so many reasons people voted for Donald Trump. Some I agree with, some I disagree with. That's your choice. But, you know, I, I, I just cast that aside and kind of go, yeah, Don Lemon, you tell me who the Donald Trump supporter is. And you're starting to see this this panic, this fear, this anger starting to be shared. Oh, well, you know, Donald Trump supporters, they're all, they're all Nazis. They're all white supremacists. Really? You're going to take one action and just go, everyone is that. Oh, well, it's guilt by association, you know. Really? Let's just, let's just take that, you know, thing to a whole new level. Let's just prove that point. And, I want you to, and it's a funny way of doing it, but just to make the point, to show you how crap it is. Again, America is a Christian nation. You talk about it all the time. Imagine you die. And then if you, depends on what you believe, because different people believe different things in purgatory and, and, you know, different things. But imagine you die and let's say for argument's sake, let's just all sing off the same hymn sheet. That your, your body dies and your, your body dies and your spirit goes up to heaven. And you get to see St. Peter at the pearly gates. And there's kind of like a little trial, shall we say, of, you know, tell me your good things, your bad things, and different things. And then, you know, you either get to go in or you get to go, er, er, bad egg. You know, Willy Wonka reference in case you didn't rec- get that one. And imagine this is your, you get up there. And you're like, I'm dead. Oh, this sucks. But you get to go to the pearly gates. And, hey, Peter, how you doing? And he's like, he's about to say something. You're like, hey, babe, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to ask me. I came prepared. I studied for this. Here's Peter. In case you're not watching on YouTube, I'm giving you a piece of paper. And Peter's like, Jonathan, what's this? Well, you see, I knew I was going to die, Peter, and I, I wanted to get ahead of the game. You know, I don't want, I'm not really a talker. Inside joke. But what I did was I gave you my voting record, and I'm going to let you decide on my voting record alone of whether I deserve to go to heaven or hell. What do you think he would say to that? Let's just say, do you think he's going to go, oh, well. In the 2000 general election in Ireland, John, you you voted for them, really? Did you see the scandal about them in 2006? That was six years later. I know, but it's still, you know, hindsight. Guilt by association. Or do you think he's going to go through the record and go, Oh, well, I clearly see you voted the right way. Oh, you always voted Republican. That's my boy. Get in there. 
Or let's say you happen to be a person who's on the other side. Is it a case of you hand Peter your voting record and you're like, straight Democrat. Bad egg. Is that what we've come to? Your voting record. That is all it boils down to. How you vote. You're either guilty because you believe it or you're guilty by association. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe don't listen to the guy on, on, on YouTube and on, on, on The Blaze about what it is to be a Christian. But I think Christianity and heaven and hell is a bit deeper than that. I think, you know, the criteria is a lot more than voting the right way. I'm not saying it's not an important thing. I believe in voting is a critical part of your life. But let me ask you another question on the flip side. Imagine you're that guy who goes to heaven. And you're up there. And St. Peter as well. I want you to lay out all the cases for why you deserve to, you know, get inside. You know, why you deserve to be in paradise, be in heaven. And spend, you know, eternity with God and Jesus and everyone else you pretty much knew that passed the test. What would you say? How would you quite pass your test? How would you be like, okay, this is my case. This is John's case to get into heaven. I tried to be a good person. I tried to live a good life. I, I gave this much money to charity. I did these good deeds. I helped these poor people. I spoke out about freedom. I tried to promote your values. I tried to live your life. What what argument would you make? Or would your argument be straight away, well, I voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and again in 2020. Would that even come up? Would that even be part of your criteria? Well, I always voted the right way, God. Again, where's that in the Bible? Oh, you know, thou shalt get to heaven through me and through voting the right way. Don't ever remember that in scriptures. But hey, you know, scriptures is always changing. Maybe that becomes part of the criteria. What you're starting to see is this hyperbole from all sides. That's just want to make the case that everyone is the worst person that doesn't agree with them. You're seeing this on steroids. But it also, it doesn't just go to the left. That is the most dangerous rhetoric I've heard in a long time. And I've heard rhetoric from around the world that is pretty dangerous. Literally, by voting for Donald Trump, you're a Nazi or a white supremacist? No. But also, using your logic, Richard Spencer voted for Joe Biden in 2020, didn't he? We can play that game too. Does that game work? No, it doesn't. What we need is starting to get some nuance. And this message is just for my friends on the right as well. Because so many of my friends on the right are like, oh, well, the left are all socialists. No, they're not. No, they're not. Oh, well, every every Democrat I know is a Bernie Sanders supporter and loves the squad. No, they're not. I know many Democrats. There are Democrats who are part of this audience, who are actually just like you, who watch me or listen to me. They're Democrats. They talk to me. We agree or you know, some of the time. There's even one person who messages me about once every three months as a Bernie Sanders supporter. I've told you this story many times. Still does it. We disagree on nothing. Or sorry, we, sorry, that's a, that's a bad thing. We agree on nothing. We disagree. You know, the chances are if we're like in the same room together, we're like, that's a blue wall behind you with a Gadsden flag. We'd be like, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's a bit of beige in there. It's just the way he is. It's cool. He's respectful, he's kind, we don't agree on much, but we just discuss things. And, you know, he, he told me the reason he listens to me is because I'm the, quote, reasonable right-wing voice that he could find. <laughs> Which is, is always just hilarious. But not everyone's like a Bernie Sanders but I Democrats who listen to this show kind of go, they're appalled. But one of the reasons they don't speak out is because, one, they'll get crushed. But two, there's no nuance from the right. There's no nuance in this world. We literally got it and went bang and killed it. 
Because it doesn't fit a narrative. It doesn't fit a narrative for the media who want to tell you, oh, we're good, they're bad. The right do it as much as the left. The left go, oh, Trump supporter, Nazi, you know, Nazi, white supremacist, racist, sexist, homophobic. Am I missing? It's been a while since I've done this show. Am I missing any other insult that usually is there? Oh, we're transphobic as well. Well, there might be some merit to that one if you look at the definitions. I'm a, I'm a transphobe, sorry. But they do it. They are, we're good, we're the left, we're virtuous. They're the bad people. The same on the right in the media. Oh, well, we're constitutionalists. Until the constitution actually gets in the way of them doing something they like, then they cast it aside. Oh, but it's them socialists, it's them lefties. What you need to start doing is bringing nuance back. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to go, you know what, I think you're fundamentally wrong on position X. I think you're fundamentally misguided. I think your logic is screwed up. I think your logic is not consistent. But that doesn't make you a bad person. Because again, I boil it back down to your principles where you talk about being a Christian nation. When God's, when Jesus was like, you know, and, you know, Jesus, what's the, what's the most important amendment? Love God and love one another. Okay. But there's an asterisk after that, love one another, right? We, you know, we only love the people who vote the right way, right? We only vote, you know, we only love the people who, you know, have similar ideologies to us, right? We're only supposed to not be nice to those people, right? We're supposed to hate the other people. No, love God, love one another. There isn't any criteria. You need to start bringing nuance back. You need to start bringing back the, a debate that says, you know what? Donald Trump supporters, especially from Donald Trump supporters. You know amongst yourselves, you live there. How many of you voted for Donald Trump for the same reasons? How many of you did it? How many of you voted for him for countless different reasons? He wasn't Hillary Clinton. I voted for him for the Supreme Court. I voted for him because he was the lesser of two evils. I voted for him for his foreign policy. I voted for him for because he wasn't, you know, didn't believe in wars. I voted for him because he was a businessman. I voted for him because he'll take it to the swamp. There's so many reasons people voted for Donald Trump. I'm sure there's similar reasons that people voted for Joe Biden, even if you don't like them. He's not Donald Trump. He's old. He won't live long. I voted for Camilla Harris. I voted for whatever reason. I voted because I just sick and tired of all the, the you know, the, the tweeting and all the, you know, the razzmatazz from Donald Trump. I don't know the left's reasons for voting for Joe Biden, but I'm sure there was plenty. But we need to bring those nuances back. But also, how do you move forward? You see, what we need to understand is what will win. What actually changes the world? See, what I'd ask you to do is we have two choices right now. Two choices that are very simple. We can continue getting into our camps where we're the virtuous ones and it's them or the problem. And we can continue sort of breaking apart the society. But before you do that, I'd ask you a question. And I'd ask you to give you a bit of homework. What I want you to do is I want you to pick a day in the week that you do a lot of outside traffic. Where you go to several places. And I want you to think one question about every person you meet. How well read... On history, do you think they are? How well read on politics do you think they are? Are they making an educated guess or are they just kind of going, well, we just, we've always done this? You know, when you're going to the, you know, going to the gas station, you go into the attendant behind the desk, you go to the deli who makes you, you know, makes you a sandwich, makes you a roll, go to, you know, a diner who serves you, who cleans your table, the bus boy, you know, the the manager. You know, a lot of people are not well-read on politics. A lot of people are not well-read on principles. A lot of people are not well-read on history. And that is not a slam. That is a case of a lot of people are busy in life. 
A lot of people are busy creating things. A lot of people have stuff in their lives. You guys do. A lot of you have different things. You have a job. You have family. You have your recreational things. There's only so much, uh, 24 hours in a day. You need your sleep. You need to do different things. You need to go to the gym. There's only so many things. And while your kick might be listening to a crazy Irish guy, other people's kick might be, I don't know, listening to a sports podcast, listening to ESPN, caring about whether the Yankees are going to win the World Series or, or caring about different things or, you know, caring about, you know, focusing in on religion, whatever it is. People only have a certain amount of time. But I would ask you to look around and go, how many people do you meet on a day? On a day that you go out in Walmart, look at go to Walmart and see the customers and kind of go, I wonder how well read they are. How, you know, I wonder do they know the Constitution? I wonder do they understand it? Because if you look around the people, you'll find that, you know what? People are nuanced. They have different beliefs. They have different priorities. And judging them because they voted the wrong way isn't necessarily the most healthiest habit. They might be doing it because they're fundamentally wrong. Or they might be doing it because that's just how they've always done it. They've always voted Democrat. They've always voted Republican. And by the way, it works on the flip side as well. Hey, you know what all those Donald Trump supporters who voted for him, especially in the last election, was it 72 million? Are you telling me every 72, every one of those 72 million people was exactly articulate in why Donald Trump should be the next president and could give you a presentation and say, this is why I voted for him? Or do you think people just said it was, I'm not voting for Joe Biden? Because I asked you that question, because you're about to tear away at the seams. You have two choices. Either you can continue on going, well, I'm virtuous, they're the problem. And you can keep pulling them back. And guess what happens? It's what happens, how you, what you acted, and how you acted, and how you felt when Hillary Clinton called you deplorable. Oh, well, we're just a part of the people that she doesn't like. Did that, would that make you listen to Hillary Clinton? If someone was like, oh, you know what? You're, you, you're a problem. You're, you're all those deplorables. You're all those right-wing Nazis. You're, you're, you're what's wrong with America. Oh, but let's talk about the problems in America and let's see, can we come together? Let's see, can we unite on something? How do you think that works? Does that end well? Would you want to unite with those people? But it works on the exact opposite side. They, oh, well, we're just socialists. Oh, we're just all communist-loving hippies who love Marx. Why would I ever want to talk about uniting with you? see, the thing is, you can start pulling apart, or you can start going, you know what, let's actually discuss things. And let's actually build to go, you know what, we're going to have a discussion, and we're going to accept one fundamental principle right from the start. I'm going to talk, you're going to talk, we're going to engage, but we're both perfectly happy to leave this conversation and kind of go, I think he's wrong or she's wrong, but you know what, that was a respectful conversation. Because how do you change minds? You see, what I see happening right now is nuance has been killed, and you're just pulling away. And this Twitter ban is horrific. I will defend Twitter's right to do whatever they want. They're a private company. I've been consistent on this. But it is horrifically bad. Because what it is going to do is going to pull everyone apart. Where you're going to have a, what, what's the answer to this if you go down this logic? We'll have a right wing social media and a left wing social media. And a right wing Facebook and a left wing Facebook. And we'll have right wing where we buy our books and we have left wing where we buy our books. How does that end well? Who changes anything? How do you change it? Because I boil this right back to the start, where I started with saying, America is not dead because America is an idea. If you share that fundamental principle with me, if you're like, yes, John, I agree with you, America is an idea. America lives in the hearts and the souls and the minds of the American people. And it only can be lost when we stop defending it and promoting it. Well, have you promoted it recently? Have you sought to, you know, promote and discuss those principles, those founding principles, the Constitution, 
Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, the Bill of Rights. How do we do that? If we pull apart, is there ever, ever going to be a discussion? If we have separate social medias in separate places, you know, what's next? Separate diners? Well, this is a right-wing diner. This is a left-wing diner. If we never, ever engage, how are we ever going to share our idea? How are we ever going to share those principles? And even if you actually believe in principles of socialism, I would say the exact same to you. Let's say for argument's sake you're right, you're not. But let's say you are, that socialism is awesome and it's grandiose and it's great. And yet everyone else who practiced it just practiced it wrong. But you're somehow an Einstein who's different to all the countless other hundreds of thousands of people who practice socialism, who have been leaders under the socialist movement in different countries at different times with different reserves. They're all wrong, but you're right. Let's just say that for argument's sake. Again, you're wrong, but let's just play the game. How are you ever going to convince me if we're not on the same social media? How are you ever going to convince me that every belief I have is fundamentally wrong and flawed and stupid? And tell me how to think if I'm not on the same social media, if I'm not exposed. You see, this was the great thing, the great melting pot about America, America, the country. Where you had this melting pot where everyone engaged together. Where everyone came together from different backgrounds. You had different races, different colors, different nationalities, different religions. We all came together. You are that big melting pot. And it's okay to have all those different things. But you need to have a certain common goal, common interest. For historical purposes, that was always kind of fundamental principles. America is a good country. America is built on, on freedom. The land of liberty, the home of the brave. You're the Statue of Liberty. How do you ever get that point back if you keep pulling apart? If all you want to do is just diss the other side? You see, fundamentally, this is an American principle that I'm inspired by, but it's also a Christian principle. Everybody you meet, you have two opportunities to do. Either you can put them down and have servitude, or you can lift them up. America, historically, is built around that idea of freedom where you lift people up. Where you inspire, where you go, no, the past is the past, but you can have a better future. But even in your own country, it has been built around reconciliation, where you've had bad things like the Civil War. Where you had things like this at the Revolutionary War, where 33% of the country was either actively against you, and another 33% was like, ah, either way, I don't care. Ruled by England, ruled by America, I'm good either way, it doesn't matter me. You came out together after that. You had reconciliation. Why? Because at your core, it's a message of lifting up people. It's about forgiveness. It's about understanding. It's about growing together and becoming a bigger and better and brighter future. You have two choices. Do you want to keep going down this road of fear, of panic, of it's over, where we just demonize everyone? Or do we want to start opening our minds and opening our hearts and start having conversations? Because what you need to start doing right now, this is just for my friends on the right. I get you're hurt right now. And I know a lot of you are really angry and really pissed off. I got it. I share a lot of your frustration. I may not echo it here, but I look at what some of the things the left are doing, like this Twitter ban, and I'm like, you're idiots. You're just idiots. It's just, oh my God. I look at some of the hypocrisy, like some of the things this week, like listening to like two minutes of that impeachment hearing, where they're talking about the founding fathers, and oh my God, they'd be just horrified. Yeah, all summer they were tearing down statues of said founding fathers. So I get it. I share your anger. Trust me. I just choose to just verbalize that in my inside voice. But I want to come to you every week, not getting you angry. I want to come to you calm, where I can, reasoned and logic, and try and give you something that makes your life a better, better day. 
that you actually learn something or that I inspire you or that I encourage you to be a better person at the end of each show. That is the choice you have. Bury them, put them down, or lift people up. If you're American traditionally or you're Christian, there's only one choice. It's time to start lifting people up. It's time to start sharing the American narrative. Because here's the thing. If you only care about the presidency, 2024 will be here like that. If you want to, if you're really angry, what you need to do is take the time to get over that anger. But what you need to start doing is working whatever that takes to start building for 2024, ever who your candidates are, so that the right candidate gets nominated, the right candidate gets elected on the right platform. Or we can just all be angry and put everyone down and just blame the left and just play victims for the next four years and then four years will come and guess what? Nothing will change. I don't know what you choose, but I choose promoting principles. I choose working and serving for a better tomorrow. And with that note, I salute. We finish up by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. That's where a lot of the content and additional content will be going up soon. Subscribe on YouTube at Freedom's Disciple. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.